busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. Getting ready to share with you something that is worth a gazillion, trimillion, because mm-hmm, it's a word, uh, dollars. Okay, great. Uh, I think that I stumbled upon something that is the most breathtaking netness. It's a necessary, I'm trying to name the gumbo that I just found. Uh, listen, it's pretty much the key to life. You know, forget money, power, respect. <laughs> it's what you need in life, okay? Uh, the ability to be able to change your mind. Have you ever felt shackled to a decision because of whatever the reason? Maybe it was pride. Maybe it was ego. Maybe it was a little bit of emotions. Maybe it was E, all the above. You know, maybe it was, it could be not even not something bad. It could be driven from something good. It's like, listen, no, I want to remain consistent in this area. I want to remain stable. Whatever it may be that was painted in your mind, did you ever feel like you were shackled, married to, or just imprisoned to a certain path, a certain journey, a certain vein of operation because you made a decision way back then and it was just never reevaluated at all. You never even considered it or just the mere fact of considering reconsideration just felt like instability or brought this kind of mm, emotion within you so you just decided, no, I'm not doing it. I think the best gift that we can ever give ourselves Seriously, the more that I live, the more that I learn and grow and become wiser, I am starting to really just realize that the greatest gift we can ever give ourselves is the room to reevaluate and to understand that if it's not written in stone, that is subject to change. Truly and truly has to be one of my most authentic necessary fruits that I will continue to feed on for the rest of my life I remember way back in the days where I was just really trying to make big girl decisions with my life and all that kind of thing I thought that making a big girl decision was making one decision seeing it all the way through no matter how much turbulence was going on in the aircraft you just did not eject no matter what happened you saw it through and that's just that and I realized that I don't think that that's the way that that's supposed to go I remember the first time this revelation came upon me when I was reading certain things in the Bible and I was like, wait a minute, it looks like God changed his mind a little bit. Because I remember that one time that Moses was leading the people and then God's wrath was just, he was just so through with the Israelites. He was like, yo, Moses, real talk, move to the side a little bit, sir, <laughs> because I'm getting ready to strike it down on them. Like my wrath, like I'm just totally done. I'm over it. And Moses was like, God, real quick, can I say something to you? Um, Don't do that. Because then it's going to look like you just brought the Israelites out here um, to kill them. And you didn't have the power enough to save them and bring them to the promised land. So yet don't, like I know you're upset and I know you're over it, but don't do that. And God was like, "Mm, you may have a point. Okay, I'll I'll take that advice. (laughs) Okay. Um, And at first I was like, ooh. Moses had the power to change God's mind. But then you know what? When I became a parent, okay, great. Uh, there were some things that I was steadfast on and that my children helped me to see 
another side of something or a different perspective. And it's not that I didn't have the knowledge or the know-how to think in that matter, but sometimes you can get in the vein of a certain emotion or a certain aspect that if somebody else taps you on your shoulder that you respect enough or love enough to hear another side of it, you sometimes see another side that you're like, you know what, you're right, that is subject to change. So I never looked at the fact that, oh, God changes his mind. I adopted the, if God can change his mind about something, then certainly I don't have to remain shackled to anything. You see what I'm saying? But more importantly, I said, okay, that one time, I remember that one time in Moses, but this one time in 2 Kings, God did this thing with Hezekiah that I was like, I, I have to call you and share this. Because I don't think people talk about this enough. And when they don't, you know, we're going to talk about it because that's what these phone calls are about. Right. So real quick, Second Kings chapter 20. I want to take it from the top. This is talking about Hezekiah's sickness and recovery. And, you know, I read from the NLT version. Now, verse one, about that time, Hezekiah became deathly ill. And the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order, for you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. Dum, dum, dum. Let's add some dramatic effect. Two, when Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Three, remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you and I have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down and he wept bitterly. Four, but before Isaiah had left the middle courtyard, this message came to him from the Lord. Five, go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. And three days from now, you will get out of bed and go to the temple of the Lord. Six, I will add 15 years to your life. And I will rescue you in this city from the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my own honor and for the sake of my servant, David. Now, let me go ahead and say something to you. Um, wow. Okay. Hezekiah, I don't know what kind of uh, connection you had with God, but like he really loved you, bruh. Because I'm going to go ahead and say this. I've read, um, you know, a large percent of the Bible. I'm not going to try to, you know, like I know Genesis to Revelation. Mm -mm. I read a large percentage. You're going to go ahead and have a humble assessment of self, a humble assessment of self. And I have yet to read that God was so in commune with someone that he let them know, hey, um, I'm going to give you time to go ahead and set up shop before you expire. Wow. That he went ahead and said, okay, so set up your affairs mm -hmm. because um, ex expiration is coming up mm -hmm. and it's no recovery. So I don't even want you thinking like, hmm, maybe if I drink this tea, absolutely it's nothing you can do. And um, yeah, that's it. And for Hezekiah's tears and his verbiage to be, God, you remember when I served you single-mindedly? Because the Bible clearly says that a double-minded man gets nothing from the Lord. So, God, you remember when I wasn't double-minded? You remember when I did things that pleased you? And Hezekiah didn't even say anything that was eloquent. 
He didn't speak in tongues. He didn't do a whole bunch of big T.I. words. He didn't do any of that. Literally, verse 3 says that he says, and I quote, Remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. That whole entire sentence was about God. He didn't do the modern day what we probably would have done, which is, my children are this age or I have yet to fulfill my, you know, desire or I didn't make what I wanted to make. Yeah. I didn't do that particular aspiration, but what about my family members? What about my car? What about my house? Who's going to take care of? He, he didn't do any of that. Set my affairs, bro. Who am I supposed to give all this stuff to? And how do you want me to break this? He didn't do any of that. It was just like, God, I'm, I'm just going to remind you of how I served you while I was here. And I'm not going to ask you to do or do anything extra. I'm not going to ask you to add to my life. I'm just going to let you know, man, I don't feel like I had enough time. Um, But for the time that I had, I served you faithfully. And I served you single-mindedly. Yeah, I had no doubt when I was serving you. You didn't remember when you said have no other gods before you? Yeah, I didn't do any of that. And I always did what pleased you. And while I'm going to go ahead and um, think about that, the next sentence says that he broke down and he wept bitterly. The very next verse said before Isaiah even got to the middle court, y'all, God was like, uh, run that back, Quavo. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and go um, tell uh, Hezekiah real quick. Uh, you know, I heard you. Okay. Um, and I'm not going to see how God did that because as a parent, you ever see your child cry or somebody that you close to cry. You like, what's the And your whole, everything changed. Like you must, you on punishment for whatever. And then you like, mm, let me lighten the punishment a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Your report card wasn't the best, but, um, I'm not gonna ruin your whole Christmas. You know what I'm saying? You ever had like a little bit of change amount? Cause the child that you were punishing, you knew that the punishment was necessary, but that the heart of the child you were punishing didn't really need all of that. Like something transpired between the punishment and you remembering the child and you going, yeah, but I can lighten up just a little bit. So if we could do that as parents, God can do that, right? And so it was just beautiful to see that it was like before he even got midway, God was like, okay, so I'm going to add 15 more years to you, sir. I, I heard you cry. Mm-hmm. I, I saw it. Yeah, I, I felt that because I created you. So I feel what you feel. And I'm here with you. I'm omnipresent, right? And so, yeah, th- that's it. And it was something about reading this that I was like, man, God. We are created in your image. You are the creator. We are your creations. Why don't we read this thing called the Bible, which is literally your your manual to our lives? Why don't we look at this and just mimic you? Why is it that sometimes we get into this operating system and we just feel like, no, if if I did one thing one way, I have to continue to do it that way. If I've been friends with someone and the relationship is changing and it it doesn't seem to serve me no more, then I just have to stay friends. And, And we just get into this place that is like, oh, my gosh, do you understand that some things are subject to change? And I had to look at myself. I'm not even going to hold you. I said, you know what? Remember when I was having the conversation with you about these particular coordinates and my season right now? And I was just like, man, I really love where I'm at because I had to weather through a storm of that previous position and that previous 
coworkers and HR managers and stuff that just was not working well for me and my dynamic and how I'm wired. And I was like, God, I just, something has to change. And I just realized, I said, oh my goodness, my biggest blessing came from the fact that I realized that I can change my mind. I went into that last position with the mindset of I'm going to stay here a year. I'm going to get this particular certification. I'm going to take that experience and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to branch off and I'm going to be great somewhere else. I then tried to fathom, could I stay there a little longer? It was like, nah, I can't. N- not if it's the same people in, 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 in management and just here still employed. I'm not going to be able to do it. I already know it. But if I go ahead and rewind prior to that moment, I had a very, very safe and sound career path. I was a social worker. I went to school to be a social worker. I had a job that was in social work. I had a consistent job. And I was just going to play it safe, I promise you. I was working for the state, so I already had the benefits, and I already had the retirement rolling. And something came and disrupted my stability, and I started to realize, oh, my goodness, I am playing it safe. And I have stability, but I'm unsatisfied. And there was something about reading in the Bible that God wanted us to have a life and life more abundantly that I was able to realistically and honestly look at my position at that time and say, this does not feel or yield abundance to me. To somebody else, it may be, man, you you got it, man. You got benefits. You got this, that, and the third. You got this particular years behind you. You got this particular accolade. And I was doing great, at, honestly. But something about abundance and playing it safe just don't commune well in certain elements. You ever had that? Well, logically, you should be okay. But in the core of you, you're like, Mm-mm, those are not the coordinates to my abundance. And I can't explain it. I don't know why. And it's like something went off in me. Like, do you want this to be the next 10 to 20 years of your life? If you have to work, right? Because you got to do something you're until retirement. If you had to do this for the next 10 to 20 years of your life, is that abundance to you? Is that something that makes you want to get up in the morning and want to go ahead and do this? Does it spark joy? Is it something that just revs up in you and says, you know what, I love what I do? Is it, no, I don't believe that there is this such thing as, you know, well, long gone are the days where people love what they do. You know, you know, cash is king. And I don't, I don't subscribe to any of that. I apologize. I subscribe to what? actually brings the beat to the melody of the song that God has for my life what is that and I can no longer live a life that I am trying to ignore that particular instrument does not flow with the harmony for my life that particular instrument may work great in somebody else's but for the orchestra and the symphony that God is playing when I close my eyes it's like what is that scream Ooh, it, that just, it doesn't flow. It doesn't mesh well. And when I looked at my career, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. 
I am going to step out on this thing called faith. I'm going to get out this boat and I'm going to see what happens when I take big leaps of faith with my laser focus being on Jesus, with my knowing being that if I walk it out, God's going to walk me to it. He's going to walk me through it and I can't fail because when I put faith with God, failure is not an option. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, are you at a place in your life that you can let go of the ideals of what you originally had? Like your ideal of family. Is your idea of family, your biological family, the family that you used to do traditions with the family? And, and do, are you holding on so tightly? Is your grip so just gorilla pound that you're like no this is family and nothing else can shape that or do you need to allow God to go ahead and customize family for you it may be friendships you may have to go ahead and put an R in that thing and make your family <laughs> just friends who are really really close to you that feel a lot like oh my gosh you feel like blood do you see what I'm saying like when I was actually in graduate school and was on my path to doing what I was great at, I was getting A's in things that, in a subject matter that I was like, I don't, I don't feel like this is the coordinate to my joy. I don't feel like that. And so I literally changed my major, not once, not twice, but three times. And I wish I was trying to, you know, do, you know, third time's the charm. But I was in a space that I will, listen, I will continue to change this thing to get to the courtness of the navigational system that sparks joy for me before I walk across the stage just to get a piece of paper just to say that I did it. I no longer want to live a life just to say I did something, just to take the cheese and smile and, and, and paint on a smile, put some lipstick on a smile, but deep down inside, it doesn't feel like the satisfaction that the smile represents. Do you understand that? I literally said, mm -mm, the obvious road doesn't always lead to contentment. The Bible literally says contentment with godliness is great wealth. And I think we really have to get to the root of what contentment is for you. Contentment for me is not a plaque on the wall, a degree on the wall for something that drains me every day. Or something that makes really, really good money but interrupts my sleep at night. Do you understand that? Do you have a healthy assessment of what contentment is for you? Like relationally. Honestly, meeting my husband uh, I am so glad that I realized that there are some things subject, subject to change. Because I'm going to go ahead and be honest with you. I'm going to have an unveiled moment right now. You better not gossip. Okay, thanks. I had said literally three weeks prior to meeting my husband that I was done. That I was just going to live this thing like a single dollar bill. Have a nice day. Me and George Washington did it. I can do it too. You feel me? Um, and it was just going to be, you know, just whatever I had on my plate at that time. I was going to be a good stew over it. And it was just going to be done. And I was like, nope, just done. And I felt this little inkling, literally, a couple of weeks after that was like, don't you kind of, you know, want a companion? And I thought that, no, no, I'm fine. You know, I was trying to be, you know, just macho with it. And it was like, no, listen real quick. Like just someone, you don't even got to date them. You know, someone that you just want to, you know, just have a little LOL with, a textual situation, you know. 
And so I wasn't willing to accept, okay, I just declared that I wasn't going, I was going to be bothered no more. And I had to let a few people know too. Just want to let you know, I'm good. It's just going to be me and my, you know, I had this whole mindset. And so it was just, I, it was a little ego bound that I was like, no, I already declared and told these people what I'm finna do. And if it start looking like, oh, but I thought you said, I'm going to feel like a woman that is um unstable. Like, like I'm not stable in my decision making. Like, I'm fickle when it comes to things that I say. And when I say a thing, I want to be respected. So, no, I, I don't want to make a decision. So, how I rationalized that in my mind was, well, at least go on food digging dates. You, you know what a food digging date is? Yeah, I'm not a gold digger, but I'll be a food digger, which means I will sit across from this table, okay, great, and uh, have no interest in you, but I want my belly full. So, <laughs> oh, really? While well, I'm ordering what I need to order and have a nice day. And then I probably won't see you again. You know what? It, it, it sounds worse than what it is, but the sentiment was I want to eat and I want company, and I like to do that in a public setting, so I choose you, Pikachu. Okay, great? And that's just how that worked out. And little did I know that my little acceptance of the subject to change led to another subject to change. It was, yeah, you want your belly full, but I at least want to be in the company of someone who's worthy of my time. And it was like, okay, you're right. But I'm still not going to date nobody. Oh, yeah, we're going to hold on to that. Holy Spirit was like, just spoon feed her. We're going to get her to where she need to be. And within three weeks, the Holy Spirit revealed my husband to me. I knew there was something oddly peculiar about this man. I didn't know what it was, and I tried to fight it the whole way through. And I was like, man, he's a good guy. I'm probably being used to lead him to his wife. And I literally said that to him. I promise you, ask my husband. I literally said, I'm going... <laughs> I'm going to pray for your wife with you. Can I pray? He said, sure. And as I was praying, the Holy Spirit was like, um, you know, that's you, right? And I was like, mm -mm. so I'm praying for this stranger's wife, right? While I'm rebuking the nudge, the Holy Spirit is like, that's you. And I'm like, shh, I'm praying, Holy Spirit. He was like, oh, okay. And literally, this, I promise this was happening. If I'm making it up, God can go ahead and just, you know, take the air right now. <laughs> Dilute the air. I promise you that's what happened. But when I literally looked at that whole transaction, I said, if I wasn't willing to accept that things are subject to change, I would have missed out on the blessing. If I wasn't willing to see, yeah, you started a career you're awesome in this career, but you're no longer content in the career, I, I would have missed out on a blessing. You know how many people I listen to on certain podcasts like Dave Ramsey and the King Coleman Show and Anthony O'Neill, that people are calling in and they're 51 and they're 61. It's just like, I, I literally do not like what I do. And I had made a declaration. I said, that would never be me. That I don't care at what point in my life there's a shift, I'm going to change with it. And not an irresponsible, you know, I'm I'm 71 now and I want the motorcycle with the leather pants with the glutes cut out. You know, <laughs> not one of those like, oh, you having one of those late midlife situations. More so of the moment that my temperature changes in the thing, I'm going to check with God to make sure there's not a temporal change. And if it still doesn't feel like, yeah, you did everything that you 
you know, responsibly could do to see if you can make the adjustment. If it still does not feel like the proper gauge, and I have to do something different. And I have to be bold enough and brave enough to walk out and say, you know what? I will not be at war with myself because the temperature changed. I've been speaking to women lately about menopause, right? I'm like, what does that feel like? And I'm I'm talking to them. I'm like, oh, it's like a sauna. It's like this and a third. I couldn't imagine being in menopause and being so fixed on no, the house temperature stays this way because this is the temperature that it stayed in when I was in my 30s and I was in my 40s, anything pre-menopause, right? And to get to menopause and feel like, yeah, but I like the house colder now and to feel like, no, but the temperature stays here. You know how idiotic and moronic that sounds? That's the same way that it sounds when we don't make the necessary shifts in our lives from when other temperature changes. Is the temperature changing in your career? Is the temperature changing in your relationships? Is the temperature changing? Where is the temperature changing? And are you paying attention to that? And that is my challenge to you. Have a humble assessment and scan your life real quick and be honest with yourself and say, where has the temperature been slightly or dramatically changing in my life? And what can I do to subscribe to the ideal that, you know what, some things are subject to changed. There was once a time that my husband and I were like, absolutely no dogs. We started our marriage out with that agreement. And guess what? <laughs> subject to change. <laughs> you understand? There were some things that we were like, never. And it, it became. There were some things that we were like, yeah, I really like that, that we were like, you know what, never. And just to be able to ebb and flow responsibly with those changes, I believe sails us to the courtness of our greatest accomplishments, of our greatest joys, and our most fulfilled, abundant lives. I really feel like when we keep ourselves captive to a thing, we steal from our future happiness. Do not remain shackled to an ideal or a declaration or an affirmation that you choose not to reevaluate because of whatever the reason now. Now is not before. When you made that decision before, oh yeah, that was valid for that time. When you said I would never and you said that they could and I if that were me, I would and all those little inner vows that you made no that was definitely useful for that time and you know what in that time era absolutely but you know what fast forwarding however many years minutes months however later things have changed things have changed God was able to say, you know what? At one point, the thing that I called good all throughout Genesis, I looked down and I regretted making man. So I just decided, you know what? I'm God. <laughs> Things are subject to change. I'm just going to make another world. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to flood this one. I'm going to wash it out. <laughs> I'm going to put this on the, um, the, the spin cycle real quick. And then I'm going to do it again. And then you know what? That didn't work out. Okay, Jesus, can you... Can you go down there real quick? Because they just not getting it. I don't know what's going on. Subject to change. Man, if we were to really hone in on this thing and truly identify, I am in my own way. 
I am standing in my own way. I am the roadblock to the overflow that God wants to give me. If you truly were to hone in on that, you will be like, you know what? <laughs> I, you're right. I have been holding on to past inner vows, decorations, affirmations, whatever it is. I said, I would never. I said, she could never. I said, and I just never gave myself the room to say, okay, you, what was once in red ink, can we go ahead and see if we can um, erase that? And if we can't erase some of that, can we go ahead and draw up a new draft? Can you be okay with seeing that a process no longer works, that a mindset no longer works, that a way of being no longer works, that a title is no longer working for you, that a situation is no no longer working within you? Like you just need to look at certain things and go, "Mm, yeah, the fruit of that is no longer springing forth fruit that I want to continue to eat from. You see what I'm saying? And can I go ahead and just give you a disclaimer real quick? The number one way that you can identify that something needs to be subject to change is that how you once looked at it and in its first glance, you no longer see it like that. Like real quick, um, when God made and he was creating the earth and he was on a, he was like, mm, that was good. And that's day one. Oh, that was good. That's day two. Oh, that was good. And he kept doing it. It was good. And it was good. And then that changed. He looked down and was like, I regret that. Yeah, that I, re- I regret making man like that's not um, um e- even one time if you can go back in Exodus four real quick when he was talking to Moses with the burning bush and all that and was like, hey, I want you to go ahead and go back to Pharaoh real quick and and I'm a heart in his heart, but I want you to um you know tell him that he needs to let my people go and I need you to do A B and C and Moses was like um. But I don't really know how to speak. And when I go, who do I say sent me? And and God was like, Moses, you getting on my nerves, sir. And and his wrath was was so built up with Moses. It went from burning bush to like a burning wrath with God. And the Bible says that God was like, God was angry with Moses. And it took Moses' wife, Zephora, to go ahead and circumcise her son, innocent blood. And go ahead and put that on Moses and go ahead and wash it clean. And then God was like, okay, all right. So now that there's some some innocence on him, my, my wrath has dissipated. And so I can go ahead and use him again. And I even looked at that like, wow, that's another example in Exodus 4 of God going ahead and saying, you know what? Things are subject to change. I, I, I was going to use Moses and then I saw that Moses was fickled and he was scared and he, I got a stutter and who's going to help me. And it, it was just like, ugh, like I don't want to use nobody who's that fickle. Matter of fact, I don't, if I can't use you, what you breathing for? And then the raft was building up and then Zephora did that thing. And God was like, you know what? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I could see him differently. So again, Subject to change is all throughout the Bible. It's all throughout our lives. It's all throughout, listen, real quick, Harriet Tubman. No, because the Holy Spirit is just putting stuff in my spirit. I'm like, oh, you know what? Harriet Tubman, um, she went ahead and she freed herself. She was she was living a free life. <laughs> she ain't going back and forth with no messer. She living her free life. And then one day she was like, you know what? Mm-mm, I'm going to go back. Oh, no, 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 not to be no slave but to free some more of them. Okay, great. And so, wow, what if she didn't do that? 
what if what if she was like, no, no, no. Uh, I I did what I said I was going to do, and I'm done, sir. I really believe that when we allow ourselves to have a subject to change in certain areas that we are no longer satisfied in, that is truly the key to opening up doors of abundance that we could have never imagined. It would have been okay and it would have been awesome just to say, you know what, I was once a slave and I'm free now. And I went ahead and, you know, I I freed a little bit that came with me that one time. But, oh, my goodness, to go back and to be in the books the way that she's in the history books, it's like, wow, (laughs) really? Okay, you know what? Yeah, doesn't that make you want to look back on your life and go, mm-mm, I'm not going to be shackled to something? And that's exactly what this phone call was about. So listen, because if we keep talking, I'm going to keep having other ideas. I feel like you got what you needed, okay? You know what these conversations are. They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not everybody's going to have with you but your favorite homegirl. So this is why you got to keep paying your phone bill because when I'm calling you, I'm dropping these jewels. And you know what? You need to go ahead and be storing them up and answering this phone, and it's going to help you do that, okay? But, uh, okay, cause, because I'm putting into that phone bill, and I don't want you to remember that, I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go, and um, I'll call you back later, okay? <laughs> no, seriously, I'm going to call you back. I promise you, okay? All right, later.